Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Attention soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, and coasties. The holiday season is right around the corner. And some of you might be wondering, how am I going to afford to travel back home to visit my loved ones? Have no fear. Holidays for the Heroes is here. Last year, Holidays for the Heroes received donations from patriotic donors, and we were able to send 65 armed service members with a fully paid round-trip ticket and got them home for the holidays. Wait, but what's the catch, you might ask? Buckle your parachute strap. There is no catch and no hidden fees. Just contributions from good old-fashioned Americans who want to help heroes like you and show their appreciation for your service. If you're an active soldier and want to register, or an individual who wants to be a part of that growing group of patriotic donors, please go to www.holidaysfortheheroes.org. That's www.holidaysfortheheroes.org. To you from underneath a peach blossom It's time for an episode of Be Awesome Find positivity throughout your life and work Just like our mascot rooster, Steve the Jerk Hello, Be Awesome listeners. This is episode 78 of the Be Awesome podcast, and I'm your host, Joshua Peach. Happy to have you. And if you uh, are listening for the first time or the 78th time, you'll hear that I had a uh, non-paid advertisement for past guest, Ed Rosich, and his Holidays for the Heroes. It's a great organization. I really hope that you guys uh, either find an active military uh, person that wants to get home for the holidays or you're able to contribute. And I'm going to be putting that down in the beginning of all our podcasts moving forward because I think it's just a fantastic uh, effort that Ed has uh, started up grassroots uh, just last year. So now to the episode. Uh, as I like to open every episode, how did you meet? How are you friends? Where are you related? And all that fun stuff. This is another one of these interesting LinkedIn connections uh, that it uh, really took shape in the last year, but it was actually a couple of years ago, a friend of mine had gotten a job with this company named Gaggle, uh, very close to another G-named well-known uh, company. Uh, the CEO uh, reached out to me from a post that I had made and said, I see you know so-and-so, he's working with us now, and uh, we connected, didn't really talk a lot, and then I was delivering a keynote in Wisconsin last year, and one of the sales reps for Gaggle actually did a, a presentation before me and I sat and listened to what they actually do and immediately was like, this, the world needs to know about Gaggle. And uh, Jeff Patterson is the CEO of Gaggle, which was founded, I think, in 1999. I'll let you dig into that. But Jeff, this is our first time actually face-to-face, virtual or in-person. Great to meet you virtually. Uh, welcome to the Be Awesome podcast. Uh, thank, thanks for having me, Joshua. It, uh, it should be a lot of fun. Um, I'm glad that we did connect on LinkedIn, and LinkedIn's become really, really become a powerful tool for me to connect, you know, with other members of the education community, 
you know, both on the sales and vendor side as well as the educators themselves. And I'm uh, glad to be on there and glad that we connected that way. Yeah, me too. I'll tell you one thing that you do that's really cool. And you were doing it pre-COVID. Uh, you've been doing it for a while as you put out job opportunities, not just in your company, but in companies with your connections. You really, um, you know, not knowing you that well, you do a lot and we'll get into the gaggle piece, but I mean, you do a lot for people as a whole for no, for no other purpose other than to try to help. And I re- that's what's really gravitated me to chasing after you to get this podcast done because uh, uh, I just am very impressed with a lot of the stuff that you've, that you've put out there on LinkedIn. It's not just, you're not just putting other people's news stories. You're saying, hey guys, here's the latest you know, job openings or I've got these people that are looking for, for a job. But uh, you know, tell us about Gaggle. Tell us about how it started. Get, where did the name, I'm, I'm guessing with the name, but I mean, fill us in with the Gaggle history and then let's dig into what Gaggle does because phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Thank you. So I started Gaggle back in 1999 and really in, in 1998, I was at a Texas Computer Education Show, it's a TCEA. And I was there with my other educational software products and this teacher came by and I just happened to ask her, hey, are you using email with your students? And she said, no, 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 my school district would never let my kids have an email account. And, and I thought, well, this doesn't make sense. Like, even back in 1998, right? By the way, I was a young man in 1998, right? So yeah. um, I was like, wow, emails change how I do business. Like I'm working and collaborating with people all over the world. This seems like the tool that educators should embrace. And so I asked the why questions. Yeah. That's what a good entrepreneur does. And it, it was all about, well, we don't, how do we know who they're going to talk to, right? How do we know that they're safe? How do we know that they're saying appropriate things? And so, Again, being a young guy, I thought, well, I can solve those problems, right? So I created what we labeled as Hotmail, where the teachers are in control. So that's where it really started. It was, it was a platform to give kids digital tools like adults and grownups had, but give the school systems the safety and security that they needed. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was the genesis of Gaggle. And it just kept evolving over there. I, I tried to get venture capital funding. No one would trust me, right? I wasn't trustworthy back in those well, days. Well, this was also the, the, the dot bust was coming, right? This, this is true. I, I started looking Y2K. For, yep, yep. There was still an opportunity to get funding, but no one would see my vision. And mm. I'm so glad they didn't. Joshua, I would have been out of business because the way venture capitalists think, if, if it doesn't explode right away and you know, it's just not worth the time and if it's not going to be worth a billion dollars, right? Yep. And that's just not the way education works. Right. Education takes a long time to grow. Yeah. Well, education's a long game. I mean, you really can't get, it's relationship building. I tell people all the time, you want to get into public sector, specifically in the education field. First of all, it's the, it's the only um, vertical market, if you will. It's the only market segment that's extremely loyal to one another. So they talk to each other. Uh, the other thing is sales cycle is very long as a, as a rule. But the beauty of it is, is if you do a good job and you do the right things and you're there for them, they're there, you're, 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 they're your client for life. Um, and, and, it's, and it's hard for a lot of people to wrap their head around that. I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm like, when, was the, when, when did I have my first email address? I had my first email address, 1997, and it was an AOL account. And that's, and that's when you, you got the AOL account, so you go in the chat rooms, like to go in those public forums, uh, whatever, whatever they were called. So. Um, totally different world than, than it is today. So you had this vision, you, you launched it, you saw, you filled a need. Um, VC wasn't coming. 
um, dot bust was coming along. What, what, what happened next? So, because I was young and stubborn, I just started, keep, I just kept going, right? It was first to start with me and one mini tower server. And, and I've got some little tiny bit of technical skills, but not enough to really keep things going very well. But, you know, I was just stubborn. I just taught myself everything along the way. Um, yeah. You know, eventually we found, you know, we started, everybody wanted eyeballs back then because we were going to sell advertising, right? Yeah. Um, we sold advertising and we started selling domain names and we sold, uh, you could get the accounts without advertising. And then we basically discovered E-Rate and we were an E-Rate priority one vendor for probably about, oh, 12 years or so. The product kept evolving because people kept asking us, well, can you put your safety inside of a message board? Can you put your safety inside of a blog or chat rooms? And so we kept doing those things to the point that we, we almost became a learning management system. Mm -hmm. Then E-rate rules changed and we were no longer, our districts were no longer eligible for that funding source. And so we had some real soul searching for a while. We tried to become an LMS. But what was that around? Was that like 08, 09? Mm-hmm. Right about then. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, or that was after 09 because we, we, we had E-rate through the Great Recession. So it was probably more like 2012, 2013. Okay. And... So we kept evolving. We, we faced this change of E-rate, right? Do we become a learning management system? What do we do? Luckily, along the way, a few of our school districts had say, hey, we, we really like what Gaggle's doing around safety. We want to use that Google, that Google email instead mm -hmm. of Gaggle. And so we said, okay, we'll, we'll plug our safety into that product. And after the E-rate changes, we looked around and realized that people don't really love our platform. They love our safety. So mm -hmm. let's just embrace that and start plugging our safety into whatever digital tools the school districts and the schools want to use for their students. Cool. So that, that's the, that's when we grew up, right? When we stopped yeah. being like a teenager, we started becoming a young adult. Well, I mean, I love, I'm already loving this because you, you're a company that first of all, grinded, bootstrapped, going through it. You've gone through Y2K, dot bust, 9-11, worst recession of all time. And all along what you're providing and is being able to, as they say, to see what Mary Jane buys, you have to look through Mary Jane's eyes. You, you took, you checked your ego at the door and said, okay, we've got these, these offerings, but this isn't what they want. Let's figure it out. And you found out and then you, you, you put it out. Um, so the safety, this is where we came into the, the, I was like, I've got to have you on the podcast because I saw your statistic two weeks ago. When did you really start to drive? When, when was that started? The, the, the tools to be able to, we're talking about alerting faculty, staff, whoever they, they, they deem fit, I'm assuming, that there's a cyberbullying go on or, or student suicide or something at risk. When did you really start to push in that, that direction? So the, the safety piece was always there in the platform from the beginning, but in 2008 is when we started doing the Google safety. And you know, maybe I should take a second and, and sort of describe what Gaggle is now and what yep. the product is, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you a story, but first, the overarching, we're an early warning system to identify kids in crisis before tragedy happens. So the best way to describe this, I think, is with a story. This is a, a true story from one of our districts in Wisconsin. One morning they had a high school girl who logged into her school provided email account and she sent an email to her friend that said, if you get this message, this is goodbye. 
you should learn living, I just can't. And then it said, I'll look down on you from heaven and I will strike down all your bad boyfriends. So the what we do is we sit behind those digital tools, Google Classroom, Office 365, Canvas LMS, whatever they're using. Mm -hmm. We're pulling in all the email, the documents, the chats, everything the kids are creating and working on and sharing. And we run through technology that highlights things that are suspicious. Then we have a team of safety representatives that work 24 hours a day to review those items and determine what should happen. In this case, our safety rep recognized that this is a credible threat. So we called the school, the school called home, but they also sent a resource officer out into the building. And when the officer went into the girl's bathroom, the officer found her hanging there in the school bathroom. They saved her, but it, we're told it has been a, about a minute of her passing away. Wow. Yeah, so that story, that story, Joshua, happened 927 times this last school year. Right? They weren't always that dramatic, but lots that are. I'm, I'm just like, you just got hair stand on the back of my neck with that story. Because that's, I mean, wow. Like a minute. You guys were, you, if, if so, if there was none, if, there, if they didn't have your tool, nobody would know. That girl certainly would have died. Um, how does that, like, how do you, just, just not, to, not to change, but you must just, like, like the, how do you feel, like, when you hear that? Like, you just, like, that has to be the most rewarding, gratifying. Like, when you talk about everybody wants to make a billion dollars, you just saved something that you can't put a price on. Like, that's amazing. Like, wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, think, think about this. It's not just that girl's life, but imagine yeah. the devastation to her family. Yeah. And that whole school, right? They would, the whole school, the next month, that would have been the whole focus, right? Yeah. The grief counseling, the assemblies, the learning that wouldn't take place. I mean, it would have devastated many, many lives. Um, yeah. So we're looking for bullying, threats of fighting. Um, you know, again, to put some context here. This last school year, there are over 63,000 references to depression, cutting, and suicide. That's how many we identified. That's just in your little microcosm of your client base, right? Mm -hmm. And how many, how many schools do you work with? So I don't think in terms of schools, I think in terms of how many students we help protect. Mm -hmm. So we help protect about 4.5 million students across the United States. Wow. And what are there? There's, uh, there's over 30. five million students total. Wow. And Joshua, that's, that's, if there's something that keeps me up at night, is like, I know for every 10,000 students that we're protecting, yeah. you know, how many suicides, how many kids that are being abused, right? All these yeah. things. So it, it, it almost harkens back to being an evangelist. Like, I, I'm sad for the, I'm sad for what we're not able to accomplish. Right. Right. But that's, that's amazing that you're, you're, your t so tell me about your team because that's like that's got to be a huge undertaking. You got so you're you're protecting, you know, four plus million students. I, I God only knows how many messages and the emails. Like, how, do, you, do you? I'm sure you guys track all that stuff, but that's that's got to be just a huge. Like, tell me about that. How how do you track, manage, and you know get alerts and keep up with it? So to give you some context, right? We pulled in this last school year close to five billion items right? Emails, documents, what have you. Wow. Then the technology sort of highlighted 
about 105 million of those that look suspicious. And we use further technology to sort of eliminate a, you know, a big chunk of those, but there were still 30 million items that we had to put a human being on to take a look at. Wow. And, um, and how many people do you have? You said you have 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You have people, how many people are? So it, it's about 300 full-time employees and contractors that are doing this work. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It, it's, it's quite an undertaking and, and it's, it's expensive, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, we could just do it with technology, right? Really cut out almost all those people, but we would miss things and yeah. it wouldn't yeah. be as fast. Yeah. And I, I can't live with being a, a, a cheap safety solution. No, that's so, yeah, you, uh, that's a hundred percent. I mean, we're talking about lives. That's the big thing that I tell you about is like, you know, I, I tell you about, I, I evangelize for you guys and I'm, it's a non-paid, it's a non-paid advertisement because I sit here and say, what, what, what's the price that you put on a life and you can't. So if you can, if you, there's something you can do that, you know, like right now, and the, you know, the reason I had, uh, I, I had John McCaskill, Navy SEAL last week talking about um, the 22 veterans that are killing themselves every day. This is real stuff that's happening every day. We can't ignore it. We can't, we can't say not, you know, it doesn't happen in my backyard, so I'm not going to pay attention to it. These are real problems where we can just say you, you're taking care of, you're, you're protecting 4 million students, there's 50 million. So 11x, whatever your number is, conservatively, there's over three quarters of a million kids that are probably battling some form of anxiety or depression. There's probably 10,000 kids that are going to commit suicide that aren't going to be protected from something like that you have. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy to, to start wrapping the numbers around and the realization of it. Um, how long does it take? Like when, when someone hits send, like when that girl in Wisconsin hits send to that email, how long does your technology take to scrub it? Someone read it and then ping on average to, to ping the school and the resource officer. So you, you can imagine like the, the amount of traffic goes up and down throughout the day. We don't have right. as much late at night, you know, yeah. more, you know, between 9 a.m. Generally about 9 a.m. Pacific is when things start really getting busy because the whole country's in session. Yeah. You know, it, it, it varies, right? We, we, we would like to, I think our average is probably around 25 minutes for the whole process to take place. Sometimes it's longer. Mm -hmm. It just depends. But our, I mean, our goal is to do everything within 45 minutes, but it's just so much content. Mm -hmm. um, and we're always striving to get faster and more efficient. Joshua, can I can I go back to share some pre? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's I was that was good. you you jumped on me because I was just about to hit you with some pre COVID post COVID. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, pre COVID, pre COVID, this country has a little over six thousand youth a year that are committing suicide, and those are kids between the age of twenty four and seven. Yes, seven year olds commit suicide. Yeah. It's frightening. That's a terrible statistic. But there's a worse statistic in my mind. Over 3,000 students a day are attempting suicide. Wow. And, and we know that before people successfully kill themselves, they usually attempt it once or twice. And so even before COVID, we had a tsunami of mental health and student suicide headed our way as a country. It, it, it's, it's, you can well imagine, like, the amount of depression and anxiety that kids are feeling now because of COVID and, and the isolation from quarantine and not being in school, that's gone up dramatically. 
you know, we're, we're, the numbers stayed stable in the beginning, mm -hmm. but it's this fall that I'm really worried about. Yeah. Right? Because it's people have sort of adjusted to the new normal, but in a way that's like, I think sometimes they're giving up hope. Right? Yeah. And, and the teachers can't see them because they're not, they're not really in person. I, I, I read that the number of reports to um, uh, Department of Health and Human Services for families mm -hmm. has gone down. Right, because teachers aren't seeing the kids, but yet we know that many families are in cramped quarters. Right. The, the parents are worried about their financial stability. The kids are worried about their health, right? There's, there's more depression, and I suspect there's even more abuse taking place in the home. Oh, 100%. 100%. It's, um, you know, the schools were the safest. I, 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 uh, a lot of what Be Awesome has done over the last two years is to support foster and homeless programs for, for kids, student age, uh, kids. And, um, you know, the number is, is roughly 3 million homeless or foster children in the United States. I think the number I, the last statistic was that you had an 82% chance of having a child that's either homeless or a foster child. That's, that's most likely in a challenging position, Never mind abuse, drug addicted families, all that other stuff. Um, the school, the first and last smile was the school bus driver or the hall monitor or the principal that they had in that day. Uh, their safest environment is at eight hours in that school building, their warmest meals are that, that those meals. And that's why you know, I'm just so impressed with the school's efforts that I'm working with that are bringing those meals out there to making sure these kids have that technology, but that tie in with the interaction to say, Hey, are you okay? What's going on? This is a safe zone isn't happening. So we don't know as much about it. And I think that, um, you know, again, I think your tools are something that people should really make sure that their schools have, because that's a tie in that, that otherwise that, that can give you some, that can give you some red alerts. Um, how is that, how is that adjustment, you know, during COVID? Like, what are you, what are you finding? Are you finding more of something? Are you finding more, you know, more, is there more bullying incidents? Is there more, um, you know, cons, you know, talking about suicide? What's, what are you seeing as a, uh, an increase, decrease? And, and I think it is, I think it's a quiet before the storm. I think the biggest thing is what you said, the new normal. I think the depression that we're seeing is that people think that this is the new normal and there's nothing normal about it. Um, and they're, they can't grasp that. They're finally going, I'm going to be wearing a mask for the rest of my life. I'm not going to be able to go out. I'm not going to be able to, you know, I'm going to have to do remote learning or whatever that is. And it's, it's really getting to them. But what are you, what are you kind of seeing for trends with, with your clients right now? So some of the trends that we, we saw in the first spring, right? Mm -hmm. um, we saw an increase in the sharing of nudes, right? We have seen a few more incidents of child predators trying to reach kids. Um, We've seen more kids talking about running away from home because their home life is in a terrible situation. Um, and some of these, what I think it's important to think in terms of, it's not just the suicides, but I call them lifetimes lost. Mm -hmm. right? How can you grow as a, as a young person? How can you become a full version of a healthy, happy adult when you're so depressed that you're cutting yourself? Mm -hmm. um, so those are some of the things that, we've seen in the initial stages, um, hmm. right? And, and think, you know, I have some messages that I, I recently gave a speech, right, to a bunch of business leaders. And, you know, 
think about what the kids have lost, right? No sports, no prom, no graduation, no birthday parties, right? No college experience, right? Mm -hmm. In some cases, no friends. I know, I know adults, parents that are isolating their kids from everybody, mm -hmm. right? They're, they're in a terrible situation. And what did my daughter say? My daughter said to me, dad, I hate it when adults say, you're living through historic times. You're the first virtual graduation class ever. Right. Look on the bright side. She said, all those statements don't make up for what we've lost. Right. Ah, it was just so powerful. What we've lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause these are all, this is all, it, yeah. And it's, it, I have this conversation a uh, hundred times a day with folks because, um, you know, one of the challenges is we as parents are sometimes we're making it worse on our kids. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're self-consumed with the, what do we do? And, Oh my God, we, we've chosen to do remote learning for our son, uh, at least for the foreseeable next couple of months, a number of reasons why, um, that we believe that that's, that's the right answer for us. Why is it the right answer for us? Well, our son learns independently pretty well. He's 13. So he's in this age where, he's going to miss some stuff with the social interaction and everything else, but he's not in that senior year. He's not in that pivotal time. He's not in a transition of, you know, one of these areas and he's not so young where he can't adapt to learning with technology. And quite honestly, I think that the, that this one thing that this is going to teach is independent working, working from anywhere. And this isn't going to, this isn't going to go away. So why not get some experience right now while he, while he's at it and he enjoys it. Um, but you know, have that, have that conversation with me in this same environment four years from now, when he's going into senior, I'd probably be going, he has to go to school. He can't miss a senior year. He has to play his sport. He has to do his activity. Um, and so one of the challenges is people have a hard time. Adults are having such a hard time putting themselves in the unique position of each family and each person and just thinking about themselves and how they should do things and how they should you know, consider it and their kids are hearing this and then their kids are saying, well, you know, my parents says this and my parents says that and it's causing friction and difficulty on social media. It's crazy. Like I keep saying on every podcast, like social media is the craziest place right now with parents. Like just there's, there's such a divide and so much anger. Um, and that's getting to the kids and the kids and, and the reality is these kids don't know how to, um, they don't know how to compartmentalize it and they don't know how to always be able to, to be like, well, this is, let's take this like water off a duck's ass and just move on.com. It's like, it sticks with them. Um, and that's hard. And so, and, and then we're blind. Like what I think is great about your technology is a lot of parents don't pay attention to what their kids are doing and typing. Like when you just said there's an increase in nudes, I'm going, people still send those like didn't, didn't, didn't to catch a predator and all this other stuff that's been going on TV for the last 15 years go, Hey, don't send nudes dummy. They get spread out to everybody and they go all over the place. Like, like that's crazy. Like that's crazy that that isn't, that that's still some of the norm that, that, that people do and that's okay. Yeah. No, I, I, for young kids, right. I mean, they, they don't have the experience they we have. You, you've seen, you watched To Catch a Predator. They, they don't even know what that show is probably, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and so it, it, it's, kids are impulsive, right? This is how we're wired, right? We don't have the, we don't have the idea of uh, what the future holds. But yeah, so, you know, the, the technically child pornography we encounter is, is pretty substantial. Wow. 
And how do you handle like, do you, so do you go, do you send that right to the police? Like, does that, I mean, that's a lot, that's, that's gotta be like, uh, like, cause you don't hear about it as much anymore. Like in, in, in mainstream media and news, you, you heard about it. Like when we talk about to catch a predator, that was like, um, mid two thousands to, you know, five, six, seven years ago, that was like a Friday night, you know, sting operation for those. I mean, most of my listeners are old enough to know what it is, but it was basically, um, a sting operation where, uh, I can't remember the reporter, the, the reporter's name, but he basically would set up, um, I think he actually didn't get, didn't, wasn't there something going on with him too? I gotta remember his name it was Chris. I got, well, whatever. Um, but they set up sting operations where underage minors were hooking up, were supposed to hook up with, with adults. And then they, the, the reporter would interview the person because obviously the underage minor wasn't there. And then they'd go outside and get arrested. Um, but that was during that time, you almost always in any news, you'd hear about, you know, minors sharing adult nudes with, 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 uh, you know, teachers or other people and students and everything. But I don't, I, I mean, I, I guess I hear it occasionally, but I don't hear about it often it's it's against the law right even when kids do it um that's got to be crazy yeah so i think our our number of uh so when we find a image that's a new that appears to be someone under the age of 18 we register the image with the national center for missing and exploited children right so you do that to protect the organization to protect Mm -hmm. you know ideally the, the student um then what we do is we notify our emergency contacts at the school without sending them the image. Yeah. Right? That's an important piece because as a, as an administrator, as a teacher, you do not want to be looking at new right. images of your students, right? right? And worse to have it on your phone or on your device. You don't want that at all. Right. Uh, yeah. But we, we even recently we had a case where an elementary school girl was being solicited for nudes. Someone was asking her to send them nude images. And this is, you know, they'd had a couple of requests already. Then um, there's a, there's a new story out there, how we helped a, um, we identified someone sending nudes to another, I think a middle school girl in Pennsylvania, right? We alerted our emergency contacts. They alerted local law enforcement, started an investigation, found the predator was in Michigan, had a couple other victims in Michigan. They were eventually able to arrest this individual. Oh my God. That, that's, I mean, and that, that just triggers like the kids do this and that's got to be a trigger that, you know, down the road, you're potentially going to see the depression and, you know, potential suicide from the outcome of this first action. So it's, so you're probably saving a lot more than 927 lives. The 927 just talks about the ones that actually actively say that they're going to do something, but the number that you probably impact by either preventing, um, or bringing awareness is probably so much greater because you're, you're actually ha- helping stop a, a bad decision that will hurt even worse down the road. I didn't even think of that until I just started talking to you and I'm just putting it together. Yeah. Oftentimes we don't know the outcomes, right? We don't know how serious something really is, right? We only see our snippet of information. Um, last year, Denver Public Schools, which is a customer, their uh, deputy school police chief, and shared some information. Our records show we have what we call about six or seven lives saved for Denver public schools. And this, this police officer went on and said, Our, we think with Gagos help, we've saved over 80 students' lives. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, Denver's a big school district. They shouldn't have one. Like, that's, 
amazing for them to come out and say that is a huge testament. Yeah. Let's, let's go back to um, what's going on with remote learning and I'll share some yeah. of my insights there. So there's some students like your son that, that thrive with remote learning, right? Mm -hmm. But I think the vast majority of students are not going to learn as much this school year. I don't think, I don't think most schools are going back that all this school year. Yeah. And so I've been imploring parents to just recognize that they're not going to learn as much, right? They're not having that, you know, interaction with their peers. They're not sitting in class. They're not talking to their teacher directly. They're not motivated in the same way. Most kids are not going to learn as much this year. Right. And I'm trying to emphasize, think of this as a gap year. Right? It's, I, I, say, I hate to say it, but this is the truth. It's a mm -hmm. gap year. They're not going to learn as much. We need to ease up on our kids. We need to recognize that maybe they can find some other ways to develop themselves to learn new hobbies or experiences, right? It's like a gap year. Mm -hmm. And the second piece as parents, mm -hmm. just focus on your students' mental health and well-being. Yeah. Right. Just keep them safe, keep them happy, give them something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what we need to do as parents. We don't need to worry about did they master all of algebra. Right. Right. Well that's great. And those are great points because you're right. It's it's you know, a gap year is a, is a good word for it. And, and I think that we have to, we're always in a rush. I think all of us, right. We're always in a rush to get somewhere and we end up really, you know, nowhere at the end of the day. Cause we all have an expiration date at some point, you know, hopefully a long time from now, but we're always in a rush to that next thing. And I think it, listening to you and talking about this is like, I don't want to say a light bulb went off, but I'm sitting here going, this is a unique time in our life where we can actually just kind of stop and get grounded again and get to figuring things out and, and, and to, and to understand our families better. I mean, the biggest thing that I've seen, you know, I, this beard is 173 days old, I think, um, where, you know, I was spending 150 to 180 days on the road and granted I can be, I need to be doing even more with my family. I'm still you know, heels in working every day, locked, locked in my office six o'clock at night. Um, but I can hear my two and a half year old laughing in the background behind me, you know, in the living room. And I get to see my son every day and my fiance every day. And even when you don't have that, like, you know, connection, direct connection, you're still connected. And I think it's kind of cool. Like when we're talking about all this stuff, if you just kind of treat it for what it is and not force, try to force, like I think a lot of people are trying to force this getting back to school thing for whatever reason. I, whether you agree with what's going on or you don't agree with what's going on, the chances of us being able to change what's going on are minimal. So we have to kind of adapt to it. And I'm just sitting here going, yeah, you know, treat it like a gap year and focus on what's important, which is, you know, our kids can learn algebra next year. They, they've got plenty of, they got plenty of runway, uh, but they can't if they, their mental illness gets to them and they get to a certain point where they feel hopeless and helpless. Um, that's good message. That's yeah. Life, life is, you know, this is sort of echoes what you just said. Life isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. Yeah. Right. And it's best to think of it that way and, and, and take our time to enjoy what we have along the way. Yeah. Um, I'll share with you a couple of, uh, since, since it'd be nice to have something light, lighthearted, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'd like Please. to do some jokes about my family. Uh, <laughs> so usually I'll be at a trade show. I'll be somewhere in another part of the country, and, and, and I'll explain to people, I have three teenage daughters, and I'm blessed. 
I'm blessed to be here and not at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then that said, during the, the pandemic, you know, what's been kind of awesome is we, we have been having dinner together just about every night. Yeah. And uh, I have discovered, though, that we're, we're running out of things to talk about, but we're not running out of things to argue about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's my life at home, me and four women. And, uh, you know, I, I love it. And sometimes I, uh, I'm going crazy. Yeah, I got all boys. I got yeah. all boys. Yeah, we had uh, we had chance uh, chances. So Danny's th- thirteen, chances two and a half, and uh, we went to the uh, the ultrasound to for, to find out if it was a boy or a girl. Danny came with came came with Amy and I, and uh, and you know they running the the we were just going to be happy. I mean, just to have another child was just was was a blessing in itself. Um, but as soon as the ultrasound went over, and she's like, oh, there's a penis. Several of us had our high, hands up, high five. Uh, and Amy didn't realize she was high, high fiving because she's completely outnumbered with us. Um, but uh, yeah. There's, the, the baby's in the womb going high five. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he was giving the middle finger. <laughs> Honest to God, true story. Funniest thing. He literally was giving the middle finger like at three, three months. And, and then you can see the the clearly defined and he's, he's still good at that. So, uh, yeah. um, but no, you, I mean, you, you're, you were a lot like me where, you know, you're missing out on stuff and now you're, now you're, you're there. And it's, uh, it's something that we, we take for granted. Um, you know, talking about all this stuff and talking about, you know, there's a lot of parents and I was preparing for this and I'm sitting here putting things in perspective and it's funny. Uh, Chris Ventresco, who was a, a podcast guest and local uh, photographer, he put a post last night on Facebook that said, something about Cobra Kai on Netflix, you know, hooked on Cobra Kai and Netflix, the, the karate kid spinoff series. And I'm like, I didn't even know that this, and, and it's been around since 2018. So of course I, I'm, I'm like binge watching like Tiger King or whatever. Cause whatever someone says they're hooked on, I got to check it out. And I got completely sucked in. Season one was all about, um, kind of setting up the story. I don't know if you saw it, but like there was tons of cyberbullying and you should kill yourself and all this stuff with electronic devices. And I was putting, I'm like, what's the timing like for me to have this to, to get up? And then thinking about me as an adult or a parent, I'm not the only one that graduated high school in 1994 and my computer class was with a typewriter. Like for us to think about like you, if you were bullied, or made fun of it either was to your face or in the form of a paper note that not many people saw. And I think for people to wrap their heads around how much is out there and what's going on as a parent, I think is really tough. And I think that's why a lot of parents aren't as um, involved with, you know, are you, are you hooked up to TikTok? Are you doing this? You, you know, what are you doing? You know, what, what's some, I guess what's some parental and professional advice that you would give that you could say, Hey, here's a couple of things you might want to consider NPS tell your school to buy gaggle. But I mean, you know, obviously there was a, there was a need, the safety piece for what you're doing. So you probably have some experience. And then with three daughters, you probably have some, some best practices in the house uh, <laughs> that you try to stick to. <laughs> it's try to. <laughs> so we, uh, I'm probably not a great example for this, right? We don't really, we don't have an internet filter on our systems, right? We talk to our daughters a lot about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Try to get them to open up as much as possible, right? And, and recognizing that 
you know, with these devices, there are strangers coming into your house, right? Right. I mean, occasionally some of my kid will, will have a, they'll be on a FaceTime, and they'll be walking all around the house like, wait, am I in my underwear? Wait, this isn't good. Right. Um, you know, I, uh, yeah, I think it's just having that open dialogue, right? And giving them room, right? And, and being an honest about your own foibles, right? Mm-hmm. Right, so that, so that they are not afraid to come talk to you about a problem they're having or, or, or that a friend is having. Yeah. Uh, I think developing those relationships with, with your, your children's friends, parents, I think is key. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, there's been times we've imposed sort of like device shutdown, like we'll have a separate, you know, we can, we can shut down their devices at night. Right. Um, so if, if they're basically spending too much time on their devices and they're not going and getting good sleep, um, those are some of the things we've done, but I'm probably not, I'm, I'm not the poster child for the, how to do parenting right. Um, no, goodness, I, I actually think you are. You actually answered that. Um, yeah, I set you up pretty good and not knowing you all that well. Um, but I, I figured based on what you're doing for others, you're probably doing stuff at home that most maybe aren't. And that biggest key is communicate because what you're providing for tools are f- are to protect those that may not be having the conversation, but it's also protecting those knowing that if someone wants to get to you bad enough, they will. And you need to educate and talk and make comfort so that your loved ones can come to you and say, Hey, I've got this problem. This person's, you know, DMing me or whatever the PMing me, whatever the private message, direct message, whatever message, Um, but having that open dialogue and comfort of you can come to me because I think that's where a lot of these kids get disconnected is they, they connect through technology because of that disconnection at home. And, uh, I think that that's a a powerful and great message with three daughters. (laughs) Well, I I have another saying is people say, Jeff, aren't you afraid of the boys? I'm like, I'm not afraid of the boys. I'm afraid for the boys. Yeah. Those are vicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is uh, that is true. Uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> good. Good points. And all three are teenagers. So you have what? What grades are they in? They're uh, so um, two middle school and two in high school. Wow, wow. So you get. I mean, you're you're set up for college, like back to back to back tuition. Yeah. I'm surprised you got as much hair on your head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> It, it, it was looking better in the past. Yeah, yeah. Danny, Danny graduates high school and chances going into first grade. That's how. Oh, that's so how, you got some good space there. Yeah, I got a good, I got a good gap of stress. So, uh, and I'm sure the college tuition by then will be much, much more uh, expensive, probably. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, listen. How do people get a hold of you? What's the process look like if someone? You know, I think that everybody at this podcast should be like, well, I need to look more into what you guys provide. Um, how they get a hold of you? What do they do? What is all that, all the gaggle stuff that, that the world should know? So the, the, we're not a .com, we're a .net. So G-A-G-G-L-E.net, gaggle.net. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Um, you know, there's so, as you said, there's so much great content on the website, you know, what educators mm-hmm. have had to say and have the stories um, mm-hmm. so go that way. If someone wants to reach out to me on LinkedIn, mention this podcast, you know, I'd be glad to connect. Yeah. 
Perfect. And uh, it's Jeff Patterson, P-A-T-T-E-R-S-O-N. Uh, Jeff, I got to tell you, um, I, I, I will continue, you, you know, uh, until the end of time, I will continue to shout from the rooftops that I think everybody needs to look at what you're doing. Um, and if, if what I'm saying isn't powerful enough, the fact that there's 927 lives and not souls uh, that, that have been lost. Uh, there's 927 lives that are sitting in seats going to school this year because of the technology and the tools and the team that you have um, is just hands down amazing. Thank you. Um, thank you for doing what most people don't think to do when they go into business. Like you had a plan and you had a mission and whether it was intentional or not, it's, it's worked out in the right ways to make a difference and an impact on lives, not just on checkbooks. And uh, that's, that's a rarity. Uh, and I'm sure you know that. And I'm sure um, when you're old and gray and sitting in a rocking chair, you can go, man, I probably should have gone for the money at some point. But geez, <laughs> I really had a lot of fun with this stuff. But yeah, yeah, but I'm not looking to sell the company. I've got a 10 year vision for where I want to go next. Well, I, I can't wait to see it uh, and be a, a little part of the ride that uh, that I go on following you on LinkedIn and following the company. Uh, updates, but honestly, this the, what you're doing is got to be one of the most noble missions for one of the most amazing groups, which is our future, our kids. And uh, I, I'd, I'd be, pin I, I'm sure you pinch yourself every day at the at the great things that you guys get to do. So thank you, uh, and continue protecting. And I can't wait to see you protect all 50 million of our amazing uh, kids here in the United States. Yeah, thank you, Joshua. Well. This was an absolute pleasure. Hope you guys got some, uh, some good uh, education out of this as well as some, some awareness. This is a tough subject. We've had a couple of uncomfortable conversations over the last couple of months. The reality is this stuff is happening. The reality stuff is this stuff is in front of a 63,000 uh, anxiety or depression worried uh, uh, cases that, uh, that Gaggle has looked at over 4 million uh, over the 4 million kids that they protect just this year alone is, is reality. Those are real numbers. So we got to keep doing our job. We got to keep looking to other folks, the companies like, like Gaggle to help us uh, better protect our kids that are vulnerable right now with so many different ways. Um, I feel like it was just yesterday that I could get on my bicycle and pedal anywhere and do anything and not have a worry in the world. And our kids today are definitely um, not as well protected and uh, we need to, to really do more and, um, and make sure, especially in this time. And the great takeaway that I had, that, that uh, again, the light bulb moment, uh, looking at this as a gap year, removing a lot of the pressures and the strains on the education focus. It's, it is important, vitally important, but first and foremost on the radar screen of us as parents needs to be to make sure that we're taking care of our kids' uh, mental health and taking care of ourselves with mental health. And if there's an issue or problem challenge, Make sure that you're uh, reaching out, looking out, and uh, communicating communicating with your kids. So uh, that will do it here for this episode. This was a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to many more episodes with some some more awesome people. As always, you can buy our T-shirts. We are still donating three dollars of every T-shirt uh, to the Dupont Ice Arena. It has been a very slow year for shirt sales. It's been probably a very slow year for uh, my good friend Ty Newberry and his team down in Washington D.C. Uh, but that only gives us more opportunity to to build up uh, a little bit of a little bit of finances to help them and their mission to uh, to take care of kids that are coming in for free skating programs. So, b e a u s m dot com. Hit the shop button, buy a shirt, 
Uh, they fit great, soft. I got a bunch of them. Uh, I wear the same one every day. Been doing it since June 18th, 2018. Wouldn't have it any other way. So uh, remember, if you can be anything.